my computer. Hey everyone, this is Coach Mark Nolan, and welcome back for another great guest episode on our podcast series, Don't Outkick Your Coverage, which is the only podcast dedicated 100% to the high school athletes and their parents who are going through the crazy times of the NCAA and all the things that go on both physically and mentally with our children, whether they're youth baseball, football, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever the sport is, we know that the parents are involved in it, the kids are involved in it. And one of the things we really want to focus on is the mental health of our children. Many times we, we think we can talk about the mental health and the challenge we face, but Oftentimes, it takes a shock to the system to talk about some of the things that we do as parents, how we think we are helping our children out, and what the realities are. And today, with that, I want to bring on my guest, Joe Calavito, who is an amazing young man. Um, he and I are pretty much around the same age, um, has a great story to talk about. When I say great, uh, great from a standpoint of what his journey was like growing up, like all of us, and then how he got into the sports world with his kids and some of the things that Joe and his children have witnessed. So, Joe, welcome to Don't I'll Kick Your Coverage. I hope we have a great time here, and uh, thanks for being part of this call today. Oh, Mark, it's just a pleasure to be with you, and thanks for the invitation. Good. So, Joe, you know, why did you start on this journey of wanting to help uh, out young athletes and, and others that you do in your practice? Uh, and, you know, what was the path like of what made you take this leap of faith from where you were and what you did at Corporate America to what you're doing now? Yeah, um, I'm going to go back just a bit. Right. So I was an athlete, as I know you were. You played at a much higher level than I did. Um, but, you know, always in the gym and, uh, you know, out in my backyard and practice, 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 right? And, and I really was unaware how stuck in that performance trap I was. Mm -hmm. And that just continued through, you know, got to get the grades in college, got to get out and get the next job, got to get promoted, got to, got to, got to, got to, right? right. And um, unfortunately, I brought that into my parenting. <laughs> So I don't know if there's anyone out there listening that uh, has has done that. And, you know, you want the best for your kids. And so you you start to find out, like, what are the unique gifts and talents? What sports might they be interested in? You know, because sports can help build self-esteem. And, uh, you know, we've got five kids and they were all competitive in, in the things they did. And then one day you wake up and, and, and I heard you talk about that shock, right? One day you wake up and you realize that one of your kids has tried to end their life. Mm. And you got some pretty hard questions to ask yourself as you stare in the mirror. So that was 2015. Uh, took a little bit of time to figure out what I might be able to do and how I might be able to contribute. Uh, and then in 2022, I was standing on a stage up at Notre Dame and uh, I made a similar comment. One of our kids tried to end their life. And the next thing you know, I got a team of people rallying around me. And uh, the rest is just... Uh, Really, God just blessing us with some insights to build a tool so no more parents will get caught off guard. Uh, if they want to know, they can know if their kids are struggling. 
Yeah, and, and thank you for that, Joe. And I know I, I gave that, uh, you, were, you, were, you were grateful enough to uh, be able to give that tool to some of my uh, athletes uh, that mm -hmm. we, we work, that I work with. And uh, I, I know that you probably have some data points on those athletes that you might want to share. Of course, we're not going to leave all the names out for those parents who may be listening. Um, but, you know, there may be some commonalities that you saw in some of the guys that I trained uh, or in, in some of the other kids that we just sent the, uh, the app to. So what, what was it that really spurred you to go from like, Hey, I'm climbing corporate America. I mean, I know what the answer is because I mean, you're a God guy like I am. So I, I believe God's plan always does things at certain times in our life to put us in those positions to be part of God's plan. So how did you get into, why did you decide to make this? I don't want to call this a business, so to speak, but it is a business. I mean, how did you get into the business of saving these young athletes and the mental care they are, they are needing today more than ever. Yeah. So I think as our team stepped back, um, the question we were trying to answer is, uh, and we just asked it directly to God, father, how do you measure when a young person is living in a compromised state? So what was the compromised state? Um, they're at risk of not making, you know, the right decision. Um, they, they may, they start down a path that that leads to kind of reversible consequences. Um, and, and the reason that that I got involved is I think a lot of them are doing it because of the pressure we put on them as parents. Correct. You know, they got to have the A's, got to have the goals, got to score the points, right? Got to be the captain, get some extracurriculars in, you know, got to get into this school. And so, you know, I uh, as I mentioned earlier, I looked in the mirror and I said, okay, if, if, if that put enough pressure on my one daughter that she didn't want to be here, anymore. I wonder if any other parents are suffering from this. And so we set out to answer that question. We came up with the five leading indicators of decision-making capacity that contribute to one's well-being. So we don't have to wonder. We've got actual quantifiable data, whether somebody's at risk or not. Hmm. So that quantifiable data, Joe, is it is it driven, the quantifiable data, is it driven based on um, what level of athlete they are from, say, youth um, U10, U12, or maybe their cognitive skills are not completely there, or do you focus more on the high school, or is there a is there a data set that says, okay, by the eighth grade, we know that kids are going to start struggling in these areas? Yeah, so right now, we're most comfortable testing at about the freshman year in high school, going all the way through, you know, grad students in college. Um, that's That's the spot we would be the most comfortable in. Okay, and you, you, uh, I, I tried to hook you up, or I think you're hooked up with uh, Bernard, um, a guy I had on one of my podcasts about two months, two or three months ago, that you know tried to commit suicide twice uh, as a young man. Once when I think he was twelve, and then the second time when he was just getting ready to graduate, um, uh, at being the commencement exercise speaker at Michigan State University. So, what yeah. happens that you think happens at ninth grade that you want to say these are the data sets that get us more focused on the mental care that athletes need? Yeah, I, I think there's two words on, on my mind, right? Transition. So when I transition from middle school into high school, when I transition from junior varsity to varsity, when I transition from high school to college, right? So mm -hmm. transitions create additional pressure 
uh, and expectations. Um, and, 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 and that, that just, I think is one element. Uh, and the other, the other part is kind of an identity slash purpose, right? So if I'm comfortable with who I am and how I show up and I understand the value that I bring, you know, with my unique purpose, then I'm, I'm going to be less kind of tossed about, you know, by, by the waves of, of change and transition. But if I'm not really sure who I am and how I fit in, and now I'm trying to fit into a place that maybe I don't feel welcome, um, that, that just adds to some undercurrents that don't necessarily show up in appearance and, and behavior and performance. And that's what we're trying to get to is, is, is there an unstable foundation underneath there that we just see or hear? Yet? Okay. And, and how have you, how has your app been, um, you know, been welcomed into the, the community, so to speak of, the, and I know you have a small test base right now, but um, how is it being received? Yeah, so it's mixed, truthfully. Um, we've had everything from the low end of, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to know all that. And like, what would we do with it if we did? Um, to the middle ground, which is, that's really interesting. Let's kind of keep chatting to, you know, our, our early adopters who are just like, yeah. Um, and I won't mention the name, but we're working with a college right now that's well known in the Southeast. Um, and within three weeks, we're already going to the provost and the head of academic affairs. And we're talking about putting this for every freshman incoming next August. Um, so that'll be about 1500 kids that there'll be no mystery as to what decision making capacity do they have when they show up. And are the things we're doing increasing that or depleting that? Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's a very innovative school. And uh, we're, we're excited about the prospect of partnering with them. Well, that's great. I'm actually surprised that there are parents who don't want to know, uh, you know, because I did a whole podcast just on, you know, it's not, it's not what you don't know. It's what you do know, but you don't want to do anything about. And <laughs> why do you think that there are parents? I mean, I don't know if you did any follow up with those folks that said, yeah, I really don't want to know about that. Is it because they are not coming to terms with maybe how they're treating their their child as an athlete or do you have any sampling around that yeah so two two buckets who i was just referring to are you know we're a we're a, a kind of a business to business or a business to school right so it's more really like heads of school school leadership you know athletic directors right it's like you know what do i do if you tell me that 20 percent of my thousand athletes are struggling to make good decisions right do we do we change our protocol? Do we not play them? Do we, you know, do, do we get them some therapy? Like we don't have that many counselors on campus. So it's more they're worried about like, what do we do with it when we find it? Um, at a parent level, I haven't met a parent yet that hasn't embraced it. They 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 see it. Good. Good. They now realize that they have some work to do. So on, on the parent front, once they do see it, um, I, I've seen you know really positive reactions. It's just hard as an administrator or an athletic director to know, like, will we be liable? Like, what what will happen if we know this data but we don't take the right action? So it's fear. It, it's like anything else in in life. There's there's fear. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Tony Robbins said it best when we went through our when I did firewalking back. 1986 with Tony Robbins, we had a thing called fear, which stood for false evidence appearing real. And, uh, you know, sadly, I think today we're in a very litigious society and have been where 90% of the world's lawyers reside in the United States. I mean, look what's going on with the NCAA right now and, you know, the NIL and the Chancellor Report and everything else. 
But um, so here's a question for you, Joe. Moving yeah. away from that side of the house, what's your favorite part of your job as you're doing it now? And then the least favorite part of your job? Yeah. So, so my favorite part is when I actually get one-on-one with a person, and that could be a, a young person that we're talking about now, but we also do the same thing with at the career level and the preparing for retirement level. Um, and I love coming just one-on-one with them in an environment like this and just walking them through our guided discovery process so they can hear themselves and, and how is their own self-talk affecting their ability to make good decisions and their overall well-being. Uh, and just just kind of seeing that light go off where they're like, wait a minute. So like, I'm the one holding me back. It's like, right. yeah. Right. Right. Okay, good. What's your, how about one, the, what's your least favorite part? Yeah. Anything that has to do with details, administration. Oh yeah. That is, amen. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm a people person. I get drained by anything behind the scenes, but you know, I, I know it's necessary. Amen. You know, I, I has, I used to have a, a, my office store and, you know, I was a CEO of a technology company before I retired and, kept on doing this stuff but you know on my door i used to have a sign that says if you're not going to come in and tell me how good looking i am or you like my suit i don't want to hear from you there's people below me that are taking care of those issues i did i used to i mean i love people as much but at some point in time you know we have a hundred employees or so that means you have probably 200 you know problems to deal with every day and then there are kids and the dogs and the cats and grandma and grandpa everything else so yeah uh, yeah, that was one of my least favorite part of the job um, so here's a question for you, Joe. What is one idea that experts in your field that you may disagree with on the mental training? And I'll, I'll include the strength conditioning side and how you look at this situation and its effects on them as athletes. Hmm. So I, I think the most popular thing out there that is good. So I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying it's not necessary. What I am saying is it's not enough. And so there's an overemphasis on behavior modification. So if I'm overemphasizing behavior modification, but I don't understand the foundation that's causing that behavior, I'm starting out from behind right right from the get-go. So basically you want to have behavior foundations would be where you want to start at is like, you know, why why is this child getting this way or has the child always been this way? I mean, you know, clearly we grew up in a different world. You and I, when we were growing up, you know, I was, I was, I keep telling people if there was a milk carton for ADD, which I call a superpower um, to me, you know, now it's considered a disorder. Uh, And I, and I think some of the kids don't have the ability to dream as much. Uh, or when they do dream, it, the dreams are overcome because of the parent that's, you know, and I hate to say it's about parents, but after 49 years of coaching, I see it a lot. You know, the parents are just too engaged on some of the athletes at a young, young level. And, and maybe that one child, as you and I talked about this before, Joe, you know, the, the kid comes home from a, a lacrosse practice or a soccer practice and a mom or dad are sitting there and they say, Hey, how was practice today? And, Little giant says, that was fine. And then, you know, they go upstairs or they go down to the basement and they get on social media or they're beating themselves up because of the the goal they missed or whatever else. And then we find out everything's not fine. So are there more common types of conditions that you think we should treat mentally as any athletes and, and why they are starting to come to you and what you're bringing to the table? 
Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back and I'll come back to where you just were. So um, Dr. John Brunstetter uh, is 79 years young. Uh, he has been building um, tools uh, for 40 years. Um, he's got his own tool that's been used in Fortune 500 companies to align, you know, leadership and executive teams and make sure everything's flowing, you know, that they want flowing in a business. Um, but he's the one who's come alongside as our subject matter expert and mentor to build this tool. And he went out and did research, 32 different kind of best-selling authors, speakers, programs around behavior. And we, we didn't find one that took the time to, to say, you know, is there anything that precedes behavior or is it just behavior? It's just, we just start, starting line is behavior. <laughs> and uh, so we're coming in in a very different position. We believe that you actually have to make a decision, whether it's conscious or subconscious, right? Before you have a behavior. So everything we measure is about, do they understand who they are, identity? Do they understand how they add value to other people, purpose? Do they have a core set of values that, that navigate and, and put boundaries on every decision they make? Because if they do, their future clarity and confidence and courage will go up. They will be less under the influence. They'll be less of a weather vane and more of a compass. Um, they will ask for support when things are hard and they need it. And it will show up in their final capacity. They'll make more progress. They'll stay more connected. They'll have more resilience and they'll have more endurance. So we actually believe that what we're measuring starts before what everyone else is trying to fix. Oh, awesome. And, and that was the gap we found in place. That, that's great. Um you know, there are, of course, many others who focus on different things and procedures in the area of uh, the athlete's mental side of the game and care. And is there is there one that you think that you should focus on or maybe we should focus on that we miss as as parents? Uh, and are there more common mental types of conditions you treat athletes for and and, and why they come to you? Yes. So let me let me toss it back. Let's just have an interactive conversation around this. Right. Um, what are most of the programs and processes and coaching and and, you know, mental toughness stuff? What what are they all focused on? What, what are they trying to achieve? What are, what do they want to happen when they're done doing what they do? I, I would think it's all about to, to the coaches is a lot. It's all about winning, you know, or the outcome of what they want, even though they say they they aren't. They're working on development and everything else. I think their focus is on winning. Yeah. So, and underneath winning is this word performance, right? And oh, yeah. so everything is basically, you're right, it's winning, it's outcome, but it's performance. So if I can see it and I can measure it, right? So if you, if you run the hundred yard and, you know, 10.7 today, and then we do a bunch of strength and conditioning and we do some mental toughness, we do some visioning, right? We do some yoga, right? We make sure that when we come to the line that we're in the, the, best possible state to get out of the gate great and then we can measure was it a 10.6 or a 10.5 and that overemphasis on performance with an underemphasis on what's happening inside from a well-being and decision-making standpoint that's what we think the gap is the, the gap is you had no idea that i was and this is i'm going back to my childhood I played ninth grade basketball as a seventh grader. And by the way, I'm five foot six now. I was four foot ten then. Hey, you're still I a graduated. chance. There's still a chance you're growing. I could still grow. I'm still it's I could still make it to, to, to D1 or, or college because I never used my eligibility. But I was five foot two, 125 when I graduated. But I had a game on junior varsity where I was perfect. 
So I used to shoot three point before three point was a thing. And I was 11 for 11 from the field and six for six from the line. So I could shoot as far out as I needed to shoot and I could blow by you if you got near me. Okay. But what was going on inside was I was getting bullied by all the people on my team. So I got the Ben Gay treatment, every place you could imagine getting sure. Ben Gay went naked sure. and shoved in the locker while everybody else showered. And then they let me out as they were leaving, still laughing. And then I went in and showered. You know, I've been crying in the locker for a while. And then I, I, I walk out to the car. My dad says, how was practice? I said, it was good. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great right. point to what I said before is that, you know, nowadays the kid goes home after a practice bullied or whatever says the exact same thing. And then the parents go back to watching, you know, America's got talent or whatever they're doing. And, mm -hmm. and then the kid goes back to his own, his own world. And I think that's where your app comes into play because that probably gives them really some understanding of, Hey, here's some questions I can maybe answer from myself of what I'm doing and how that affects me on my performance. And just to build on that, Mark, because you're spot on, right? So I'm going to go back to my one daughter who, you know, uh, you know, tried to try to take her life in 2015. She was, I trained her to be everything that I was, right? So you got a, a, a five foot girl that's an unpressable point guard. She can dribble lefty, righty. As a matter of fact, she dribbled lefty and shot righty. Was her she had a, a different dominant hand? Okay, um, and she was always in the paper of you know. John's Creek High School, this because you can't press them, right? Um, and, and so she was getting looks from D1 schools as a sophomore. I end up in a counselor's office where the counselor just sits me down and just says, and I don't want to say her name right now, but you need to tell your dad what's going on. And my comment was, hey, whatever's happening, we will work through it together. And then the, the therapist looks at her again. And, and there's tears coming and she's having trouble saying it to me. And she she finally says, I'm under a lot of pressure to, to play basketball well. I'm under a lot of performance pressure. And then the doctor says, you know, does that make sense to you? I said, it makes total sense to me. I've been under it as a player. I didn't realize how much of it I was putting on because no parent goes out there to put a bunch of pressure on their kid. That's That's not what we're doing, right? We're just trying to make them great. And then I asked the question, what percentage of the problem am I? 60%. Now, if you're a parent out there and your kid looks you in the eye, and by the way, they're being a star while they're doing this and their grades are good and they look great, right? But they look you in the eye and just say, you're 60% of the problem. Would you change the way you were approaching being their parent? Because I did. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll give the lawyer's answer. It depends. It depends on how strong a parent is in their belief that they're part of the problem. Some of them won't, won't recognize they're part of the problem. They'll put it back on the child again. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, you don't know what you don't know what pressure's like, you know, blah, 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 kind of stuff, right? Sadly, um, and I, again, I'll keep this nameless. We gave the Life Purpose Scan to a young woman. She was a three-sport athlete um, trying to go play at the next level, right? You know, she'd be working through trying to get to the NCAA. And um, the principal, who's an awesome uh, leader, he walked her through the guided discovery process. Hey, here's what we're kind of seeing in your LPS. Does this make sense? And she goes, yeah, it makes sense. Have you met my mom? And he, he's like, yeah. And, and she said, 
One day I told my mom, I just needed a mental health day. I just needed to sit home, no school, no sports, just kind of catch my breath because it, it was just hard. What I was doing was hard and I was under a lot of pressure. And she said, quote, I think what you're doing is hard. Let me tell you what I go through every day. There you go. And in that moment, the disconnect between that mom and that daughter became Grand Canyon-like. That kid's not going to go back to that mom to say, I'm struggling and I need help because the mom's going to tell her how hard her life is. So I'm not saying that's a bad mom. I probably did that. I probably contributed more to my daughter's attempt at suicide than any person on this planet. But knowing that is why I'm so passionate about uh, pleading with parents. Just uh, take ownership for whatever it is you're doing that's causing them to have low decision-making and low well-being, even if it means they stop playing the sport. Because I'd rather have my kid healthy and, 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 and moving forward and doing great things in this world than scoring goals or hoops. Right. You know, and it's uh, it's funny because I did a podcast, I don't know, a while back where I, I talk about sometimes the parents, you know, a child's first born and all of a sudden, you know, the dad shows up at the, at the hospital uh, from the delivery center and he says, Oh my God, you see the size of his hands. He's going to be a quarterback or, you know, <laughs> you see the size of his head. He's going to be the next brain surgeon. That's going to take us to Mars. I mean, <laughs> I, I joke about that, but I can tell you going back, I can count probably at least a hundred times or if I, or I've had friends of mine, cousins, relatives, people, coaches have all have said that. You know, so at, you know, the, at the, at the end, they're, they're two hours old and already they, 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 the dad's got them going to be a quarterback in their name. Hey, he might be, but <laughs> I don't think at two hours old, they, they have the wherewithal. Certainly the kid doesn't, but you know, that, that conditioning, if you will, starts early on as you and I both know. So, so I have a question for you because because we've had some conversations, right? Yes. So. And, you know, I've been around sports a long time. I can go to a lacrosse field, which, by the way, our our, uh, our one daughter uh, plays for Liberty, plays D1 lacrosse for Liberty. We already had one graduated played there. So I, I've, I've been in your world where you're getting them in there. Um, but today, Liberty University plays North Carolina. So, you know, number 35, 36 in the country playing number three. Now, I would be delusional if I went to the stadium today and thought to myself, yeah, North Carolina is in trouble today. Right. I mean, we're just going to take them out. That would just be delusional thinking. And, and, and so my conversation with my daughter is go have fun playing against the best of the best. It's a personal test just to see, you know, how well do you play defense? You know, can you keep up with the pace? Can you can you keep your wits about you? It's not go score some goals today because you score six goals in North Carolina. You might play for a one day. I mean, that, you know, that's who I would have been 10 years ago. But the same reality, I want to ask you the question, when a dad or mom comes up to you and just says, little Jimmy or, you know, Susie, um, I can tell that they're going to be a D1 athlete because of their feet, their speed, their hand-eye coordination, right? Because I was just like that. But you're watching the kid going, yeah, at best, we're talking D2, D3. Do you tell them? And when you tell them, do they believe you? And so it's a very fascinating question because, um, you know, I think I've, I don't know. I've had 4,000 kids and their parents get mostly uh, over 4,000 kids get college athletic scholarships. 
And, you know, I've never really focused on the D. I've always focused, focused on the two letters NL, which is the next level. Um, but what I do get is parents who believe that, you know, for instance, you know, I focus a lot on kicking and punting. And uh, sometimes right. the parents will walk up to me and they'll, oh, they'll call me on the phone and say, hey, Coach Nolan, I got your name from Joe Dillybinger over here. Like, hey, how can I do it for you? He goes, look, my son, he's in eighth grade. He is unbelievable. He, I'm telling <laughs> you, ever since he's been like three months old, he's played soccer and basketball, baseball, football. He's unbelievable. He's academically squared away. He's probably going to be a Rhodes Scholar. And, you know, he's in eighth grade right now. And he he always is kicking like, you know, 35, 40 yard, you know, field goals. And we think he's just really just wants to get to that, you know, that D one level. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, before we have a lesson and it's a freebie for me, most times send me some videos, you know? And then of course I get the videos and it's, you know, it's the ball is, you know, it's a small ball. It's a composite ball, not a leather ball. Little Johnny's taking 17 steps to the ball and he kicks it through the uprights and everybody hollers. Well, that's not reality. So what I have to temper it with when I talk to the parents, and I, I usually put those parents in buckets, okay? I have the, the realistic parents that says, hey, with some work, can he get to the next level? And I say to them, yeah, well, you know what? The next level for you is to get high school. All we want to focus on right now is for you to be the starting kicker at Blessed Trinity High School, okay? If you think you're going to go to their name and you're the third string kicker currently at Blessed Trinity and you're behind two sophomores and you're a senior, probably not going to happen. Now, does that mean you can't go someplace else? Absolutely. But to put the pressure on that you think as a mom or dad that you're going to go to play at Notre Dame and football, am I bursting or am I bursting a kid's aspirations and dreams no i'm i'm a realist you know there's the eye chart every coach every coach that i talked to in my last 40 some odd years has an eye chart and the eye chart is very simple you know paul johnson who coached at georgia tech and before that was at Ar uh, navy and before that was at georgia southern you know he'd always say to me hey man look every kicker punter you bring to me they better be at least six foot two six foot one six foot two and be about 190 I don't want to see anybody at 5'7", 5'6", 5'5". I'm like, okay. Now, did I miss – did he maybe miss some athletes? Absolutely. But you know what? His job was based on his experience of 20-plus years of looking at those people in an eye chart and going, these are the cats I'm going to bring in. I interviewed the guy from Florida State, uh, Dave Braden, who was the all-time Florida State University winningest tennis coach. And he said the same thing to me. You know, Mark, I probably lost a couple of guys because they weren't tall enough. They weren't big enough. But I had to make a decision based on what I could bring to the table. I had limited resources. I had limited places I could go to. I had limited camps I could do. So we all have our eye charts. I think the problem with when I say a problem, I think the issue with a lot of the parents they face is that their eye chart is based on them. It's not based on anybody else. And where that get exposed is when they start going to some of the ID camps, they start going to maybe some of the rankings camps, which I think is crazy sometimes. And then they look at other kids and they don't see what you and I may see. They see their son or daughter as being, you know, the, the kid that's going to get to the next level and they might, but you know what? 
Joe, there are also the parents that will go and spend four or $500 for a baseball bat when the kid's nine, right? And thinking that a $500 baseball bat is going to get his average from, you know, 0.225 to 2.30. I mean, that doesn't work. He just buys a new baseball bat for him, right? So it always has to be about other things that go on with the parents and the sports than it is the performance of what the kid is doing. Does that make sense? It, it does. There's a couple of things I want to key in on. I love the, 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 the thought of an eye test and I'll, we'll come back to that. Right. Um, and, and then the next level, I, I would strongly prefer coaching someone to whatever their next level is, whatever they want each level to be, you know, again, tempered by reality. I I love that concept, right. Whether that's in business or in sports. Um, but you know, you talk about the eye chart, um, and I, I, I sent you something earlier. I'm just going to read it quickly. You know, as parents, we tend to over rely on our eye chart. I'm, I'm kind of shifting it as we go. Right. So <laughs> our eye chart is, Hey, he looks good, right? He's, he's performing well, right? He's got good grades, right? So and I'll, I'll just give you the, the truth. When I was taking my daughter, Andrea, around, uh, she played for Liberty. She just graduated last year. Mm-hmm. Andrea was four foot 11, 92 pounds. Okay. She didn't pass anybody's eye chart. There wasn't a person's eye chart that she passed until the whistle blew. And she ran down the field and there wasn't anyone from seventh grade on that could catch her. And there was nobody on a field that she couldn't catch. So now you have to say, okay, I... I I don't like what I'm seeing in terms of like the physical when she's standing in front of me, but if she can catch people and steal the ball and when she gets the ball, nobody can catch her until she gets it to our, our attackers. I've got to rethink this, but we're literally standing in a hallway. This, this coach comes down the stairs, walks up and goes, wow, I thought you'd be bigger. And then as the coach walked away, I had an eye test and eye chart too. And it was, how are they viewing my daughter? So as she turned to walk towards her office, I looked at Andrea and went, we're done here, right? And so as a parent, you've got to know the reality. If Andrea went to play for that school, which she could have, she'd have never seen the field because everyone on their team was five, six to six foot, you know, all had this, this eye chart look. So I'm just kind of speaking from the heart as a parent, Think about next level. Next level might be D2, might be D3. Find that place where your kid can thrive, where they'll make friendships that will last a lifetime, where they can actually enjoy the sport for the purpose that it was created, to have fun, <laughs> right? Um, so I love this com- this combination of, of, of eye chart, but we've got to have the right eye chart ourselves, right? There's places our kids fit. There's places they don't fit. Correct. And you know what, that, that, that bleeds into, believe it or not, uh, one of the challenges that I see with uh, youth sports and mostly with youth sports, private coaches. Uh, I'm a private coach. Of course, I'm the longest serving kicking coach in the United States, proudly after 49 years. Uh, And it, it is imperative that I think as we, as coaches have a realistic discussion, some of them won't do it because they're afraid to either, um, lose the dollars. And if you're in it for the dollars as a private coach, which many of them sadly are, many of them aren't, but many of them sadly are, they won't, they won't have that question. I, I'm much more brutal. I'm much more brutally honest and say, Hey, listen, I would never have told Spud Webb that 
right? Hey, Spud Webb was 5'4", right? 5'3", five, 5'4", five, right? Audie Murphy, right. I mean, he got thrown out. I mean, he the Navy wouldn't let him go in, but he ended up going into the, in, in the Army, became one of the, the greatest heroes of, of our generation uh, growing up. So those things that go on behind the scenes, is what I say with the coaches, is that a lot of times, you know, those coaches, they and the parents, they live in a big pond or a small pond, but they're the big fish in that big pond, right? So if you're playing, and I don't want to put any classifications on there, but if you're playing at a single level class A school and com- trying to compare that to like a 7A or an 8A school, it's just, it's just different. I'm not saying those kids both can't compete at the same levels, but it's just different. And to your point, sometimes you have to have that chip on your shoulder. Your daughter certainly had a chip on her shoulder being four foot, whatever, five foot, whatever it has, you know, she had, she had that chip. A lot of people have that chip. Um, sometimes we, as parents have that chip. Yeah. You know, I came from a divorced family. I was, you know, my mother, father got divorced at, at a young age, an Irish Catholic family. I was the first one in my neighborhood that had divorced parents. So I had a, I had to bring that whole thing to the table uh, after a while. So here's my question to you regarding how we look at our kids and you, what you're doing. Yeah. If you had the attention of the whole athletic sports world for, for five minutes, what would you say to them? Um, and in my experience, this is a global question to all the athletes and their parents who are playing sports around the mental aspects of the game. Mental aspects in terms of making sure that they're doing a, an emotional checkup so that their kid you know, is in a state that they they should be practicing and playing and putting all those hours in now. Yep. yep. Um, I, I, I would say err on the side of believing that your kid is, does not have uh, as, as much resilience, as much endurance and as much just kind of overall well-being as you think they do. Cause if, if you err on the conservative side and you treat them though they're a little more vulnerable and a little more at risk uh, and a little more worn out than than you normally do, you're going to probably help them make better decisions and you're going to take some of the pressure off of them. Um, and so I, I share this 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 way, Mark. We we have a a a four quadrant um, within our within our tool, and it basically it's called the personalized prioritization zones. So are you a Top priority where you literally are struggling and we need to come alongside you urgently, empathetically, and frequently. You know, are you doing a little bit better where, you know, if we came across, you know, once a week, maybe had a therapy session once a week and, a, and a, you know, a, a, a mind coach once a week that that would help you. Um, are you just in a tough transition right now? Your parents have gone through a divorce. You're the first one, you know, in your neighborhood who's got to kind of navigate that. And you just need to kind of get through this transition. Or are you in the casual zone? It's like, you're good. Like you, you actually are good and we know you're good. So now we can maybe have you train a little bit harder and, 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 and set a little bit higher goal for you. Right. And so, you know, I think just erring on the side of they're not as good as you think they are inside just because they're scoring touchdowns, making goals and, you know, playing great defense. So, you know, I I think just err on the side of they need more support than you think they do would be my, my biggest advice I would give people. Okay. 
Thank you. So if you had if you had a gigantic billboard, Joe, anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, you know, and getting a message out to millions or even billions of folks, what would it say and why? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, we can't support what we can't hear. So we can't support what we can't hear. And the reason I would say that is... Um, just a quick analogy. If I were to strum a six string guitar, whether you're a musician or not, would you be able to tell if it's out of tune? Me personally? Yeah. No. I mean, like way accordion, out of tune. Accordion, I could, because I had to play this stupid accordion <laughs> growing up. Yeah. So we've been doing this as an experiment. We take a guitar, we you know make sure it's significantly out of tune and we go, right? And it just, it doesn't go note to note to note the way that it should. So almost anybody can tell a tune. The problem is very few people can tell when a person is living out of tune with their identity, their purpose, and their core values, because they pretend to be okay. They say, I'm good when they're not. You say, how are you? They say, great, how are you? And they flip it back to you, right? So, you know, we can't support what we can't hear. How is their self-talk, the storylines they tell themselves every day, affecting their relationships, their well-being, their performance? That So that would be my billboard. We can't support what we can't hear. That's a great, that's a, that's a great line. And you know what? Uh, there, there, there are things that I do uh, know that I think is important to know from a parent standpoint. I, I can tell you when a kid is kicking a football, I can tell by the pop of the ball, the sound of the ball, of whether that ball is a good ball or not. I mean, it, it sometimes amazes parents and the kids. I have one of the kids I train uh, who's now a, a coach who said to me, I used to thought you were so full of crap when you would hit a ball, you'd be talking to my mom about something and all of a sudden – I hit a ball from like 45 yards away and you say, not looking at me and you say, well, that was a great ball. And you go, he's so full of crap. How do you know that? And now since he's doing it now that he's a coach, he goes, dang it. He is exactly right. You can hear those things. My, my thing that I focus on is alignment. So I'll, I'll tell kids after I seeing him, I had a kid I worked with the other day, last week. Uh, he hadn't practiced for two months. Um, he's playing lacrosse. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't kicking. And I say, look, you know, take the month of January off, go enjoy yourself, hang out, do some stuff. Don't kick any footballs, but he hadn't kicked in about two and a half months. And so I knew yeah. it was going to be rough that day. And I, I just finally said to him, I said, you know, the issue is you're out of alignment. You either better go back to a chiropractor that you have used in the past, but you're out of an alignment. And until you get back in alignment, you're going to continue to struggle with the issues you have right now. So if I was you, I would go get an alignment done. And a lot of the times those alignments, I think with the app that you have, Joe, and what you guys are building and that great team around you, that seems like that could be an alignment issue. You know, I'm, I'm out of alignment with what I'm going on. And now I got to change my alignment to do this. Yeah. So uh, alignment and, and being in tune are the same concept. Right. So if I'm in tune with my identity, my purpose and my core values, you're going to see me make the majority of my decisions will be good decisions. They'll lead to good outcomes. You know, nobody's going to get everything perfect. Right. But if I'm out of alignment or out of tune with my identity, my purpose and my values, you can pretty much expect me to make some bad decisions that will have consequences 
but you won't see them until you actually can observe the behavior that's related to them. So give you a quick example. I decide that I like my math teacher. Sorry, all those math teachers out there, but I decided I don't like my math teacher. And so I'm going to show him that he's a bad teacher because I just I'll stop doing my homework. Sure. And I'll show I'll him. And then I'll skip class on the day of a quiz. All right. And the next thing you know, my, you know, B minus drops into a C and now I got pressure from my parents. Well, my parents see the C. They don't see that I decided to stop doing homework three weeks ago and skip a quiz that, you know, had value to it. They don't see that until they see the C in the report card. And this is what's happening across the board. They've already made decisions that, you know, who I'm hanging out with and what we're doing on our Fridays and Saturdays. And now I'm in a car with somebody who's driving under the influence. Sure. Well, those decisions were made over a period of time. So that's why we decided to zero in on decision making. Because even the decision making of, am I going to get chiropractic alignment? Am I going to do the kind of capacity and, and strength training I need to do? Even though I'm just doing lacrosse, I could have been doing a lot of things that would have kept my body in shape to kick a football. Sure. I mean, hydration comes into play in that, right? You know, eating properly, nutrition comes into play. Flexibility. A lot. Flexibility. Flexibility. You know, I mean, yep. I'm a big FMS guy, functional movement screening. I'm. I preach about that to all the, the kids I train. I mean, when they when they literally warm up, my greatest example is, okay, so you when you come out and start warming up, they, they want to start hitting 45-yard field goals on the first <laughs> practice. I'm like, okay, it's wintertime right now. When your mom or dad or you are you're getting your car from your house and let's say it's zero degrees outside, do you all of a sudden run out to your car, turn your car on, turn the heat up real, real high and then take off? No. You turn the car on, put the heat on. It's still, it's going to be cold as heck in there. But then you run back in the house and then you turn on SpongeBob SquarePants and eat your Fruit Loops, whatever you do. And you wait for it to get the car to get warmed up. And sometimes that's 10 or 12 minutes. I said, so you've got to do that with a warm up mentally and physically when you come to practice. Are you prepared to have practice? Are you prepared to do the things you got to do? Because if you're not prepared, to do what you have to do, you are going to struggle. So that that's where I think, you know, some of those things that we we try to hone in with parents and yourself and the things you're doing is extremely valuable uh, to these young athletes. And, and so, and Joe, the biggest problem I see with really the younger kids is they don't take the grades seriously freshman and sophomore year to realize that you get a couple C's and D's and all of a sudden, you're you're trying to get up to the you know the B the 3.5 level to maybe get in-state tuition somewhere at an out-of-state school. Uh, you know, for years I used to call it the Hope Scholarship in Atlanta. I used to call it the Dope Scholarship because they had so many kids that went to Georgia, wherever they went to school, right? Georgia, Georgia Tech, wherever, Valdosta State. That in the first two semesters they were failing, and they were failing because they went away from mom and dad who had the thumb on them for you know the last 17 18 years of their life now all of a sudden they're away at a school the professors are saying i don't really care if you show up there's no attendance here we there's there's no it's all about you you got to figure out how you're going to get here and then some of those kids fail and they like then they start worrying how can i get into it how come i how come i cannot get into a good college now how come i cannot okay. get my act or set score up you know, Can we I, build on that? We'll build on that for a second. Okay. Sure. So, 
as parents, uh, yeah, I'm a parent, I'm still a parent, and right? I got yes. two grandkids here that are seven and five now. I get a, a second chance of trying to get this right. Um, her number one concern is, will my kid make good decisions when I'm not around? And by the way, that's got a, a, a double meaning. When I'm not around, because they're off at college six hours away, and when I'm not around, not around, right? So our job as parents, coaches, teachers, leaders is to equip people with decision-making capacity that will stand up against chaos and trials and adversity, okay? So take my son, Matthew, um, tremendous. Like if I came up to you in seventh grade, I would have said, this kid's not only going to play college lacrosse, he's going to play top 10 college lacrosse, okay? Because we had a professional bounce back in our basement and he was down there going, right? So we had stick skills beyond what stiff skills needed to be. The go. problem was he got my genes. And so by the time he got to seventh and eighth grade and he was playing with boys that were a year older than him that had chest hair, arm hair, and had grown, okay, he wasn't big enough to compete in a sport that has contact. Yeah, I played in basketball. You couldn't touch me or you put me on the free throw line and I shot 98%. I'll kill you if you keep touching me, okay? In lacrosse, they just kill you and you're on the ground and you're dead, right? Mm -hmm. And so so Matthew's heart for wanting to play this sport at the level he was playing at it went, went down. And at that point I said, all right, so now it's all about the grades, dude. So take everything you learned about working hard and daily, daily, daily and turn it into school, well, he didn't quite get the lift he needed, to your point, to get into North Carolina on, you know, academically, but he ended up at East Carolina, which he felt was right just school. like, yeah. he felt like it was settling, right? And I kept saying, it's not settling. You got an entrepreneurial studies program. That's what you want to do. You want to go into sales, right? You can go anywhere you want, as long as you develop, you know, the, the ability to, to build relationships and sell. Well, now we He's, you know, in, in Johnson and Johnson, there was one spot and he got it and he competed with everybody from everywhere to get that spot. But he, he got it because when he got into college, I never had to ask him if he was doing his homework. I never had to ask him if he was getting the job done. And he started to read books on his own that nobody was assigning to him. Right. So can we convert the discipline from sport into discipline for life and work? That, that's what we should be focusing on as parents. Sports is just a place to practice building discipline and good decision-making. No, amen to that. I mean, uh, you know, I had, uh, when when I was running the company, uh, we used to have hire salespeople. Uh, one of the questions that I would ask, they would bring me in last to interview the salespeople, right? That we we're going to bring on board. And one of the questions I would ask is like, okay, well, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you playing sports in high school or you member of the track team or member of the band or did you do this? No, nah, no, nah, I was pretty much a loner, pretty much a loner. I just pretty much stayed by myself. And, you know, we had 180 some odd people, right, in the company. So I would say, well, you know, we're, we're pretty much a team environment here. So if you're focused on you and you only, and you never played sports, you've never been, um, you've never been around people in an environment like a team environment, the band the marching band or playing the tuba or doing something, being on the debate team or chess club. It was like, yeah, this it's not what I want to do. I, I would literally say, well, you know, to myself, this is probably not going to end up well for him. Cause I know my eye chart was, I know what kind of people do well in sales in our organization and which ones don't. So I would rather, you know, I don't want to say weed them out, but we do. 
we as coaches will weed kids out without a second thought. And you know it, Joe, and I know it. Okay. We have the parents who will spend an enormous amount of time buying things for the coaches or going here or going there and doing things for the coaching staff, right. That other parents don't. And next thing you know, if Johnny and Jimmy are the same, guess who gets weeded out? The one mom and dad that doesn't come to the games or it's not the team parent or doesn't give out the, you know, four dozen donuts before the soccer match, you know, or all those things. Right. So I think all of us have a realization that we're there to help our kids out, but how much is over the top helping out and how much of that over the top really is inspiring our kids to be the best they can be. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say the same thing, just add in a couple of words, how much of it is so that they will perform well and look good so that I'll look good as a parent. Yeah. That's my kid. That's my kid's score again. That's my kids making that steal, right? And so how much of it is actually about us as opposed to about truly developing them and, and giving them a foundation that will stand the test of time, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really part of my son when he realized that he didn't like getting knocked down and I would have never done that. I was a sissy growing up, right? I didn't want to get hurt. <laughs> he kept playing. He had a very good high school career, but he reset his expectation of this is a fun sport to play. I'm going to have fun playing this sport, be in with my teammates, being a good teammate, it'll keep me in shape, right? But then, then one summer he came to me and he said, you know, I think I want to start a power washing business. I'm like, all right, what's your plan, right? And so, you know, you and I can help people start businesses, but I wanted to hear his plan to start the business. So his plan was get this really cool looking t-shirt, right? Get a pair of boots, you know, make sure that he looked apart and he was going to go put flyers on people's windshields. I mean, it was, it was good, right? And I said, you know, if you really want to see if, if one day you're going to be a salesperson, go knock on doors. And well, why guess when you can know if you can sell? Figure it out right now while you're in high school, because then you won't need to chase after something that's not a good fit for you. Sure. And so that kid went around and, you know, with his, his pad and his big, long measuring tape, and he basically measured square footage and made bids right in front of people and, you know, did all that complimentary. Um, and he did $20,000 worth of power washing over the next two summers. There you so go. now we're not having to wonder, geez, should you pursue sales role, right? So as a parent, <laughs> right. figure out what they're passionate about, right? I didn't invest any money in that. He bought all of his own stuff. I just was there as a sounding board to see, was he making good decisions about the use of his time and resources? So, you know, I just think we're, we're too much focused on the outcome and the performance and not enough on how do you develop this person so that they can get enough self-awareness to see if what they're pursuing even makes sense for them. Yeah, not, good, good point. I think it makes sense, but he needs to know if it makes sense. Yeah, good point. I mean, I wrote it in my book, uh, my last book. I, I wrote a whole chapter called, you know, you're a water cooler parent if, and it's based on Jeff Foxworthy's, you know, you're a redneck if, where I where I pretty much talk about the water cooler parents that back in the old days, you know, they show up Monday morning. Oh, yeah, little, my son had 17 goals this past weekend. Okay, that's great. All right. He's, how was he? He's six. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know? Okay, that's great. You know, God bless you. He's probably going to be the next Messi or, you know, Ronaldo. Who knows, right? So last two questions for you, Joe. What can people expect from you and your company next? And any new things in your practice that you are really excited about and that you're lining up in your area? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about two things. 
Um, we have opened up the floodgates and we've asked, are there any coaches out there that would be willing to come alongside us? We'll train you on how to use our tool. Um, and all we ask is that you support people well and listener can connect with them, comfort them, celebrate what's working well for them. And then if you want to onboard them into your own coaching practice, that's, that's up to you. Um, so we, we've had over 25 people, really, really good people, um, sign up and we start that training on the 20th. So in seven days, uh, the second thing I'm equally as excited about Dr. John Brunstetter, who I mentioned, um, mm -hmm. is going to give us the white label rights to take his life's work and build it in as what we call the LPS connect. Uh, and I'll keep this brief, but it will blow your mind. We could actually take Johnny and Johnny's dad or mom, and we can plot them on a target where they can see this is how Johnny is motivated. This is how he makes decisions. And this is how he behaves naturally. This is how dad or mom or both do it. Okay. So the only way to meet Johnny where he's at is we got to move over to where he's at and adapt our communication and our decision making over to where he is. The problem is when pressure hits, Johnny goes over here and the parents go over here. So one of the reasons that we're not connecting as parents with our kids is it's a moving target. The more stress, the less likely they are to be where they were when they were calm. And so we're driving ourselves crazy figuring out why do I connect with Johnny one time and not connect with him another time? Right. We're going to be able to not only answer that, but train parents on, on how to overcome that. So well, that's awesome. stoked about both, both of those, those updates. Good. So what can, what, where can people go and learn about your company, Joe? And then, you know, when I had the follow-up, I'll, I'll make sure I put it on the podcast. Where can they learn about your, your company and what you guys are doing and how to get involved? Sure. A couple places. Um, everyone can go to uh, lifepurposescan.com. Just, you know, three words, lifepurposescan.com. Um, you can learn more about us there. Um, you can, if you're in LinkedIn, you yep. can you know connect me or direct message me in LinkedIn. Uh, also, Michelle Fritch, uh, who you can see on our website, uh, you can reach out to her. We're kind of the forward-facing part of our, our founders team. Uh, and then finally, and I know this is bold, uh, you can text me. I'm going to give you my, my mobile number. It's 404-213-8997. And people are like, you give your number out. Are you not overwhelmed? And, and the sad truth is I'm not. I'm not overwhelmed because there's so many people that are so busy and running around. Uh, and this is so new that they're just not early adopters. Only 13% of the people will even take that number down and reach out to me. <laughs> so if 200 people listen to this, I might hear from 26. Um, and then oh, we're going to have. 20, that could be 26 kids or, you know, 52 parents and their kids uh, plus the other ones you, you, you help. I mean, so yeah. if you, if we start out yeah. with just one and keep building from there, it, the word's going to get out, Joe. I mean, that's 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 the strength in the things that you're doing and and the passion that you're bringing to the table. So if there's well, one, I'm super there's grateful one. for you. I'm I'm really grateful for you giving me the chance to kind of express my heart. I know that offline we've really connected on some of the water cooler stuff. Yes. Um, you know, just it's kind of funny, but I'll, I'll give you one one water cooler one. Um, I'm I'm sitting there one day and and a and a woman comes up to me and she said, you know. Have, have you seen my my daughter play? And I said, I have. She goes, I know you've got two daughters that are playing D1. Like my daughter's got it, right? And and I'm like, uh, well, can I just ask a couple of questions? Um, what do you think it takes to make it at the next level? Right? And and the answer was, 
number of goals and number of assists. And she's got X goals and X assists. And I said, yeah, so let me reset your expectation. Uh, Andrea, who got, you know, the first, you know, Calavito D1 scholarship, uh, and it was a really good one to play Liberty. She had three goals for the entire summer before she got 10 D1 offers. Three goals. So now you have to reset and ask the question, like, so what were the coaches looking for? Speed, attitude, stick skills, and, and how, how they performed when adversity hit. And I'll tell you the moment my daughter got most of her offers. Playing against a committed Florida Gator uh, that's getting ready to go for Florida, big time lacrosse. The girl was 5'10", about 175, and literally ran over the top of Andrea. And then looked at her and smirked and laughed after she did it. And Andrea got her goggles back on, her mouthpiece back in, and caught her about 70 yards down the field and decked her. <laughs> and that's what we got the majority of the offers. So it had nothing to do with goals, nothing to do with assists, nothing to do with all these measurable things. It's like, what's that fast kid going to do when a big kid knocks her down? And the answer is, we're going to have to get her to get some self-control because she's going to out yellow card anyone who's ever had a yellow card. So go. the coaches at Liberty were able to get the emotional control to go with the speed, right? And so that was the learning curve for Andrea, right? But it had nothing to do with goals. She was never about goals. She was about being a good teammate and playing with joy and playing hard. Good. And so parents just have to reset what they're thinking about. Good. Well, Joe, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on our podcast today with Donald Kick Your Coverage. And you know, for everyone out there, please feel free to like and share and make any comments on, on Joe and the background he has and, and text him. Honestly, reach out to Joe and see if maybe that app, that app might be great for you or your children or at the club, the club level you're at. So, you know, for everyone out there listening to this, once again, thank you so much for everyone who's been supporting us. You know, and we're getting close to our 2000 downloads right now in, in a very, very short period of time. So we know it's working. We know the parents out there are hearing what we're saying with, with people like Joe that are coming on, the experts in his field that are helping out. And I beg all of you to take what Joe talked about today, you know, a little bit more seriously, as opposed to maybe saying, well, that's not really me, because it might be you, as Joe said, you know, you might have to look in the mirror uh, before it gets too late. But so again, everyone, thank you very much for joining us here on Don't Not Kick Your Coverage. And we hope you have a great day. God bless you. And we'll see you next time on our next podcast. Take care, everyone.